Wrestling with the Mind. I'm your host, Seth Burchett, here for our, I guess this is the fifth episode of Wrestling with the Mind, and uh, the the show has taken off. I am pleasantly surprised with it, as uh, there have been uh, a good number of listens, so I want to thank everybody for that. Um, you know, even though I haven't had a lot of people reach out to me, and I know that's a hard thing, um, I want to thank everybody that has listened uh, because that means the world to me. That means there's something here. That means this this has a greater purpose, and I'm I'm uh, above the moon uh, about that. So um, this might be a little bit of a shorter show. I don't have a ton of news or anything like that to update in my life, um, other than I've made it through another week of teaching. So that's going really well. Um, you know, it's it's I've got a birthday party I'm doing here. <laughs> In a few hours, I record these on Sundays typically, and uh, was contacted through my wrestling promotion to come out and do a birthday party. So I'm doing that, but uh, I got to tell you that in itself creates an incredible amount of anxiety for me because I do not know these people. I have no idea. I don't know what age range the kids are. I don't know anything about what I'm walking into. So anytime I'm in one of those situations where I have no idea what I'm walking into, I get really, really nervous. And um, that is what's happening today uh, as I uh, prepare to go and sign autographs and take pictures and things of that nature. Um, I'm, I don't want to say I'm dreading it, but I'm very nervous and anxious about it because, again, I don't know what's coming. So that's something that I have to deal with. I think a lot of people that have anxiety and depression have to deal with is, hey, there's these, it's a lot of the, the unknown. When we don't know what's coming, uh, we get very anxious about it. And that's what's coming up for me. But other than that, I mean, I'm in a really good place. You know, teaching's going well. I coach uh, at a middle school. I coach football. That's going really well. Um, I have great kids. Uh, I love working with them across the board. So that's, that's uh, it's good to be in a good place. And I think we need to celebrate that as a community. When, when we're in a good place, we need to enjoy those times as much as we, you know, have to deal with the times when our mind plays tricks on us or when our mind is just not right. Uh, so right now I'm in a good place. I'm happy. Everything seems to be going well. I want to reiterate a couple of things before we get to our guest, uh, Andy Lalby. Um, first of that being, if this is your first time listening, I would recommend listening to the first episode at least. Uh, that's my story. I tell all about my battle with anxiety and depression. It gives you an idea of who I am, what I deal with on a daily basis, and why I'm doing this podcast. So if you're a first-time listener, uh, I do hope that, uh, that you go back and check that out just to give yourself an idea and give yourself a, a base for future episodes. 
follow us on social media. I would greatly appreciate that. We are WrestleMindPod on Twitter. If you just search Wrestling With The Mind, it should pop up. We're Wrestling With The Mind on Facebook and WrestlingWithTheMind at gmail.com. Also, go to the Apple Podcast page or the Google Play Store, whichever that you listen to, rate the show, give us a, a review. Uh, the more of those we get, the more it helps people, the more uh, iTunes will bump that up the list and make that more available and more visible to people. So that would be uh, greatly appreciated as well. And the other thing, if you reach out, if you're somebody out there that you're willing to share your story, if you're willing to um, you know, come on the show, I'm getting to a point that I'm going to need some guests um, you know, everybody that I've had on so far, people that I, I know on some level personally. So um, at some point, I'm going to have to get people on here that I don't know. Um, and, and it's not that I only want people on here that I know. It's just that's what's available to me right now. As the show grows, I hope more people um, are willing to come forward, share their stories as well. Uh, well, we're going to get into our uh, guest, our interview for today. It's Andy uh, Labe, and she shares her story. It's very powerful, very compelling, and uh, something I think all of us that deal with anxiety and depression can relate to, or at least parts of it we can all relate to. So without further ado, here we go with our guest, Andy, right here on Wrestling With The Mind. Being joined now by Andy Lauby on Wrestling With The Mind, uh, uh, a friend of mine, I've known her for a few years, and uh, Andy, I, I have to say I'm, I'm very uh, honored and privileged uh, to have you on the show today to share your story. Thank you so much for taking the time out to join us. Well, thank you for having me. It'll be fun. All right, so let's, let's just jump right into it. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your story. Give us your background, um, kind of where you're from and, and where you grew up. Um, and, and at what point you noticed that you dealt with mental illness? So I grew up in Illinois until I was about 12 and then I moved to Kentucky until I was about 19. And now I live in Columbia, Tennessee. I didn't really notice any mental health issues until, uh, Probably after my daughter was born, it all started off with like postpartum depression. Um, at first, it was just what I thought was the baby blues, which is very common after having a baby, especially having a C-section because things don't go the way you plan. Um, I started seeing a doctor about when my daughter was six months old, and I've been taking medication ever since. It's become more prevalent, I guess, lately that I have suffered from mental illness since at least eight years old because of my home environment, which wasn't the best, but it wasn't also the worst. It was fairly decent compared to others I've known. Well, and, um, and, and I, I want to I get into that here in just a second because, you know, I, I know personally, I didn't realize that I, I was dealing with mental illness until I was about 26 years old, but you know, mm -hmm. as I look back on it, I realized, hey, I've been dealing with this 
for a lot longer. And you say it was about eight when you noticed, or as you go back and look, you say, hey, at about eight is really when these starts of things started to come to light? Yeah. Um, I started secluding myself from my friends. I mean, I wasn't much of a friend maker anyway, but I started keeping to myself way more than I did ever before eight years old. Um, my parents fought a lot. My dad was an alcoholic. He's recovering now. Um, and I just, I think that had a huge effect on me as a child because my brothers were off doing their own thing. I was home. I had to hear all the fighting. And I think that's kind of when it started. But it didn't get worse until I got, I moved to Kentucky because I had no friends there yet. And then having a baby and the hormone changes. And um, I actually just recently realized uh, maybe a month or so ago that I was in a emotionally abusive relationship and it never clicked until recently and I'm having sort of hard time dealing with that which well, is crazy because I should have noticed but I didn't well and, and and I think that's a common you know trend I, I I wouldn't blame myself for that certainly because I think when we're in a relationship especially one like that it, it feels like you know even if someone tells you it's much like mental illness in that sense that even if someone tells you, hey, this feels like an emotionally abusive relationship, or someone comes to you and says, hey, you have, we think you have mental illness, um, you're not necessarily inclined to believe them because at that moment you think, hey, I know what's going on. They don't, they don't understand. Right. I, I, I mean, yeah. Is that part of the case for you? Yeah. Um, like my mom noticed something when I was with my ex. And she tried to tell me, and I'm like, oh, no, everything's fine. And I still have contact with my ex because he's the father of my daughter. And I have a hard time standing up to him. And that's my whole anxiety thing. Like, I I think that all really goes back to when I was younger. My parents fought, and it just caused all that anxiety. And my husband was like, he realized the symptoms and then apologized for getting upset with me for not standing up to my ex. Well, and, and, and then that's, that's when it really clicked. Like that is, I mean, I've not been with my my daughter's father since 2009, like since after I graduated. Well, and I want to get and, back, back to that at, at, at one point later because, you know, living with someone who doesn't deal with mental illness is, is a, a bit of a challenge sometimes. I know this um, as yeah. well. But, you know, going back to your home life, um, you know, as we've been through, I think this is my fifth episode now, um, that has seemed to be a, a bit of a trend that, that home life has this link to mental illness that the things we experience when we're younger – seems to play a big part in that and in, in the development of our brain and, and how we, we process things. Do you agree with that? And, and, and can you talk a little bit about that? I do agree with that. Um, I mean, when your children at home, your brain's still functioning and then you witness traumatic things like your parents fighting and uh, like stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's not really healthy for a child. And I've noticed 
just with me that it kind of screwed up the rest of my life in a way. I mean, I'll never admit it to my mom because I don't want her to feel like she failed me, but well, she it, tried to protect us from the fights. She tried to not do it around us, but with alcoholism, it's just, it happens. And, and I don't think in that situation it's necessarily, you know, her fault or anybody's fault. It's, it's just circumstances being what they are um, and, and things just kind of happen the way they do because, you know, it sounds like eventually things, at least on that front, did get a little bit better for you or, or you know, things changed a little bit and, and um, maybe that helped a little bit. It did. Um, moving out of my parents' house has definitely been a huge difference. Um, I moved out when I was pregnant with Jada. I mean, she's seven, just turned seven. Um, I mean, I still kind of feel the effects, and my mom calls me whenever they have a huge fight. And I just kind of go back into my little bubble that I had. I mean, there's, I don't know, it's crazy. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I agree. I, I, I understand 100% where you're coming from because – you know, for me, I grew up in a house where we argued a lot. I mean, we yelled at each other. We screamed at each other. Never got physical or anything like that. But, um, you know, for me, you know, in my family, it was the norm to just yell at each other. And then, you know, an hour later, you know, my family would act like nothing ever happened. And, right. you know, that was that was very damaging to me personally. Um, and... You know, it, that doesn't mean that my family's a bad family. It doesn't mean your family's a bad family. That's just the, the, the dynamic of it. And for me moving out, it was it was a great thing because it, it removed me from that situation. But when, you know, my mother and my grandmother end up, you know, getting into it or, you know, something's going on, and, and I'm, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, but for, I was always kind of the glue. And I was the go-to for everybody that, that they wanted to tell what was going on. So you get it from all sides, and it, it really does have an effect on you. Did you experience anything like that? Or it sounds like, you know, hey, at least your mom, um, you know, she calls you when, when something like that happens and, and tries to unload that on you. And, I mean, I have to imagine that's not that's not very good for you at all. Well, especially right now, it's not. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm six weeks pregnant now. Um when I was younger, I was not the glue. My almost oldest brother was. He was the one who could talk to everybody logically. He was the one to calm everybody down. Um, his was the opinion that everybody held as a high standard because he was so logical because of everything that he had gone through because his dad and, my, and our mother divorced when he was very young. So he kind of had it rough when he was younger you know, not having his dad all the time. But I think that also helped him grow up. And he's an amazing father. He's got like six kids, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and now, like, my mom's like, what do you think I should do? And I'm like, well, you know what I think, but what do you think? Because honestly, I'm one to give people chance after chance after chance after chance. And even now, like, my mom's still with my dad, even though everything that he's put her through. And, like, she she was almost to her breaking point um, a year ago when he had his car accident. He decided he was going to drink and drive on a back road and flipped his car into a ditch. 
I mean, he's fine now, and he's drank a couple times since, but he's still trying to recover from alcoholism because that's not something that's ever cured. Sure, sure. But it's just, oh, it's crazy. <laughs> and you talk about being the, you know, um, giving people chance after chance. You know, I've I've noticed, you know, as I've had this journey through mental illness that that being a, a helper is is kind of a, a, a characteristic or giving people chances, trying to see the best in people, um, always being the one, you know, you're putting people before yourself a lot of times because you feel like um, that's something that you need to do. It sounds like you have that same type of characteristic. Oh, yeah. I've, uh, I've done it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you probably remember when I was dating the father of my child. Um, I do. We, it was awful. <laughs> like I should have not given him all those chances, but then if I didn't, I wouldn't have Jada, and I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Which isn't the best position right now, but it's I'm happy. I mean, I've got someone who supports me and tries to understand because he suffers from depression sometimes, but his coping mechanism is so much different from mine. Like I shut completely down. I cry and he channels it into his video games. Uh, I can relate to that. We didn't have any intimacy and I thought there was something with me and he's like, no, it's me. And then he explained and he's like, I've been channeling it into world of Warcraft (laughs) because that new expansion just came out. He was trying to level up, and I—that's his outlet, and I'm okay with that now. But at first, I wasn't. Well, I'm a very physical, like emotionally needy person. Well, and and communication is incredibly important, especially for us, because, um, you know, for those who don't, I mean, it sounds like he deals with it a little bit himself, but especially for those that don't know, there's no way you can understand what happens. Um, in our minds right. when 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 we go to that place and you know i i've nicknamed mine i was a big fan of the show dexter and i've nicknamed mine oh, yeah. um, my dark passenger you know when it comes um i had there are certain things that i do that that kind of help pull me out of it or distract me um and and you know you mentioned coping mechanisms and, and you mentioned his as, as being video games you know i i play a lot of Fortnite, so that that's kind of been mine lately but um, but it sounds like you have some coping mechanisms as well. What what is it that for you that that when you feel that coming on, or you recognize something is happening that you do to try, either try to pull you out of it or distract yourself? Um, I play Skyrim a lot. <laughs> like it's it's like seven years old, but it's still my most favorite game. I do mods now to change it up. Um, I'm working on starting a crocheting business or a craft business and you know, doing like blankets, baby stuff and trying to make some money off of that. But I just, honestly, when I get into my funk, I can't even look at the yarn and I'm not sure why. Um, I try to read books. Like I'm into Stephen King right now, which probably doesn't help my mental illness, (laughs) but Stephen King's amazing. Well, and, and you mentioned the crocheting. I, I've seen some of your work, and I know you've you've sent me pictures of it before. You know, in the past, and and it's incredible. Um, 
but you know, I I would think, and and obviously I'm not you, and I don't know your circumstances, but you know, having something that's like laser focused like that would 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 be helpful sometimes. It used to help before I was formally diagnosed with depression. Um, when Jada was about four months old, I started crocheting. And I made pacifier holders and little blankets and coasters and stuff, and it made me happy. And then my depression exceeded to the point where I couldn't stand to hold the hook. I couldn't look at the yarn. Um, that was just a really crazy point in my life at that point because um, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I thought it was just you know postpartum stuff. I had never had a baby before. I never had a C-section. And that just completely screwed with my head at the, at that time. And like, I try now, but now it's like, I have, I feel like I have ADHD and I can't focus on one thing at a time anymore. <laughs> but I want to do all these things at one time. But it's, and I can't. It sounds like your mind soars, uh, you know, even when you get into that state of mind that, that you know, depression is, is sinking in and you get into a funk that even then, you know, it sounds like your mind kind of goes all over the place. Yeah. Like, I need to clean my house. I know I need to clean my house. My brain is like, where do you start? There's so much you have to do. There's like, I have to do the kitchen, the dishes, the trash, the laundry, the sweeping, the vacuuming, the mopping, all of that. And I can't focus on where to start. Well, is that, it's weird. Is that depression me. or is that anxiety at that point? I think it's I think it's borderline anxiety, which I'm on medication for anxiety right now, but I'm working on weaning myself off because I feel like it might not be healthy for the baby. Sure. Um I mean, because I'm only six weeks, it's still early, but then it's, this is such a sensitive time in the development of the baby. That well, one wrong thing could affect everything. Sure, sure. Now, I know, I know I'm bouncing around a little bit here, and I, I apologize for that, but, you know, you mentioned um, you have a daughter, you've got another on the way, um, and you mentioned your upbringing and that having um, an effect on you. Is that something that you're conscious of in terms of, of you know, when you're, um, taking care of your of your kids is that something that you're always aware of because you know you know what it did to you and and you don't want that same thing to happen to your kids yes um, I don't we do not argue in front of Jada when we get to a point where we're getting upset with each other we give each other the look and then we sometimes we try to walk away from her and talk very quietly and sometimes it doesn't work. Um, like there was one time because I was very, very, very non-trusting with Rick and I went through his computer browser history, which is a mistake. <laughs> and I probably shouldn't have, but it also brought things to light to where we could sit down and talk. But I, it was before we got married, and I'm like, do you want your ring back? And I explained to him what I found, and he's like, no, I don't want my ring back. And then I don't even remember. Like, he, he was on Craigslist, and I'm like, why? 
if you're not, if you're happy with me, why do you need to go on Craigslist and looking for people? He's like, well, I was bored. I'm like, okay, well, you come to me when you're bored. I mean, it's not like he was um, intimately bored. It was just, apparently he was just mentally bored and he just wanted to read stuff. I don't know. But when we had that discussion, Jada was there and I was crying. And she was like, is mommy okay? And I'm like, well, kind of, but no. And she gave me a hug and she's like, I'll let you talk to Ricky. And she went upstairs, which was a very grown up thing for her to do. I mean, that was a few months ago. And it blew my mind that she could tell whenever I cry, I need to talk to Rick. So I'm wondering if, like, I don't hide it from her like I think I do. Um, but I also have issues with actually talking about my problems to people. So I, if I'm upstairs, I'll go upstairs and I'll, or not, sorry. If I'm upset, I will go upstairs and I will lay in my bed and I will text Rick when I'm upset. Because I don't do that physical confrontation. Um, and he, he seems pretty perceptive to, to that. Like at first, when we first started dating, he would come into the room I was and try and talk to me. And I'm like, no, I don't talk. Well, and that's imp- that's important to have that understanding too, and not not just for him, but for you to understand. Hey, these are the things that when I'm here, I can't do. You know, I I can't do, uh, you know, the the physical conversation. Um, I can't, you know, I can't be face to face with you and talk. So here's how we have to do it until I come down. You know, it, it, and it, I think that's incredibly important um, to not just from that one aspect, but just across the board to understand what it is that you can and can't do, you know, when you get upset or get in that state of mind. Yeah. And I think part of that came back to when I was younger, my parents would fight. Um, My brother was, he was a good big brother. I love him. He's probably my favorite brother out of the bunch. But it would get, like, if we fought, he would sometimes purposefully hurt me. Um, we used to wrestle like WWF wrestled with that style. It was so much fun. And then if he was upset, he would take it one step further. And I think that's when my fear of actually confronting people started. And he and I have talked about it now. And you know, like he's, he's apologized profusely about it. He's like, I don't know what came over me. I mean, he does have anger issues. I think it runs in the family but I have not experienced it myself coming out of me. Well, is that, is that, um, you talk about that fear of kind of the physical altercation or, or the, you know, the face to face, you know, is that because at that point, um, or, or at least do you think that it's because that's someone that you loved and trusted and Hey, this person that I loved and trusted kind of took it a step further and, and hurt me, um, that you take that and now you apply it to everyone that you love and trust. Yes. Yeah. I I honestly think that that is like 100% legit. Um, like when Jada's dad and I would fight, I would freak out and I would like go back into my hole and like anytime we had an argument or anything like that, I would do the exact same thing. And it was every time it was anybody, it was my best friends. It was my family and Like, it's just, 
I'm starting to do better now because when I realize it, I know I need to change. But it's just so hard to change, you know, over 20 years of that particular habit. Yeah, it certainly it takes time. That's that's for sure. Um, tell us what a day in the life is like for you in terms of, you know, in speaking specifically to mental illness. You know, how does that affect your day to day life? Um, you know, at, at what point did it really affect your day to day life? And I'm talking looking back, um, and and through today. You know, what does that look like for you? What does a day look like for you? On a typical day, it takes me like 30, 45 minutes just to talk myself out of my bed because I'm just, I don't, like on a bad day, mostly, I don't want to do anything. I just want to sleep. And that's a very common thing with depression and anxiety is you're just fatigued out of your mind. Um, I work with Alzheimer's patients. And most of the time they help me feel better. Like it, it makes my heart feel good that I'm helping somebody that can't help themselves. But then there are days when at work, I just, I go to my car and I cry because the mental strain with depression, anxiety, and working with mentally ill people, it's just hard. Like even on a completely healthy person, it's just hard. Um, I usually take Zoloft and Trazodone, which apparently Trazodone is also a sleeping pill, so that's how it kicks your anxiety. It knocks you out. <laughs> um, right. But, like, it's just, it's hard to draw that line sometimes. And um, I, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you're, you're, you're okay. You're all right. Um, so obviously, work is it, it can be very difficult for you. Um, what about when you get home? You know, what what's that look like for you in terms of of your mental illness, uh, your depression, your anxiety? Um, how does that affect your home life? When I get home, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> um, like. I'm a horrible housewife most of the time because nothing's clean right now. I mean, if you came through, you would think that a tornado came through my house because it's just, it's, I have no urge to clean. I've had plenty of time to do it. Most of the time, I just sit on my couch and stare at the TV when it's off. Um, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. No, I, I got you. Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm the same way. And especially the sleeping part, you know, and I, I talked about this in my first episode. Um, I missed a lot of high school because of depression and I accepted people who laid labeled me as lazy. You know, they said, Oh, you're lazy. Mm-hmm. You don't want to come to school. And I'm like, well, you know, and, and without knowing what was going on, I, I just said, okay, I guess I'm lazy. Um, but those days I wasn't out running around. I was, I was home in my bed. I didn't really leave my room. Um, I didn't want to leave my room. So I, I can relate, um, from that standpoint. Um, you mentioned you take medication. At what point mm-hmm. did you decide, 
hey, this is this is the option because I know there there are different theories on on medication and there's different thought processes. Uh, it, it, some people um, are against it, some people are for it. Um, at what point did you decide, hey, this is bad enough, or this is something that that I need to look into um, and give a shot and see if it'll help? Um, so when Jada was about six to eight months old, I noticed that I was getting angry with this tiny infant that I was responsible for, for things that was out of her control. And I was talking to my mom and I'm like, well, what is going on with me? Why am I getting mad at her for, um, I guess, she threw a toy and they got mad because she threw a toy and I got mad. And my mom's like, you should probably go talk to your doctor because it sounds like a little bit more than postpartum depression. And my mom has a bachelor's in psychology, so she can kind of point it out to an extent. And I was telling my doctor and she's like, well, here, let's try this and see if it helps. And I'm like, okay. And it, started helping within a couple of months. I mean, it takes forever to serve medication to get into your system and then to make your brain do the right stuff because the only reason why you have, well, not the only reason, but depression is crazy because there's certain chemicals that your brain is not making. And then I started taking the anxiety medication two, almost two years ago because I had a panic attack at my job. And at the time I worked at a daycare with young children and I could not afford to let them see me break down like that again. And I knew like, it's crazy because that was my first actual panic attack, but I realized that it was a panic attack. Like, I, I guess I've had multiple before and just never put two and two together. That's what it was. Yeah, they're not fun. They're not fun. No, they're not. And, like, it was crazy. All it was was um, the father of my child texted me. He's like, hey, we need to talk. When do you get off work? And that just threw me into the panic attack. And thankfully, it was during nap time. Um, otherwise, I would have completely lost it. And it ended up not being anything bad, but it was just that effect that he had on me because of everything we went through when we were dating and all the abuse that he, I don't, I honestly don't think that he noticed that he was doing it. Um, I have not confronted him at all about any of the abuse. Honestly, I don't know if I ever will. I have written, written notes, like affirmations of the anxiety and stuff like that, but I will never actually confront him. Well, um, At least not right now. But well, and that's understandable. I mean, that that's a hard thing to confront anyone with. Um, and you know, some people might say, uh, "Hey, you need to do that because you know that'll help you get over it." But you know that that's a personal decision that, that you have to make and you have to come to on your own. Uh, obviously, nobody can do that for you. And you know, you mentioned having that anxiety and having that panic attack when when he says, "Hey, we need to talk." Um, was that specific to him, or is that something that that might um, trigger a panic attack across the board? Because 
when someone says we need to talk, typically our mind, or at least I know mine does, goes to, oh, my God, something's wrong. Something's not right. Uh, or this is going to be bad. Um, that's why I always tell people, you know, hey, if you need to talk, okay, you can say that, but you also need to tell me what it's about so I don't wonder the whole day what is going on and, and dread this confrontation that might not even be bad. Right. Um, it's honestly across the board, but it's always worse with him. Like one time Rick texted me, he's like, Hey, we need to talk when you get off work. And I'm freaking out. I was like, Oh my God, what happened? Is everything okay? Did I do something? Did I forget something? He's like, everything's fine. And then he gave me like a summary. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. But like with Jada's dad, I'm just like, eh, like, here we go again. And, no, I, I I can relate to that yeah. because, you know, like I said, I'm the same way when somebody texts me and says, we need to talk. I, I need to know what we're talking about <laughs> because I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to panic about it the whole day. Um, as we start to wrap things up here, um, what advice would you have uh, or, or what message would you have for someone who thinks they're dealing with, with the depression, anxiety, or uh, know that they're dealing with it? You know, what message would you have and what advice might you give them? Um, I would tell them just sit down and breathe because that always helps. You know, the whole deep breath therapy thing that they teach you to come out of a panic attack. And I would encourage them to get help. You are not crazy. You might think you are, but you're not. And there are people who are going through it and there's a community of supportive people who are also suffering or are sensitive to the suffering that can help, can be there to support you and can, you know, just be there. Well, and, and it, it, it truly makes a difference to have people who are supportive. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that without jumping in and getting a cheap plug here, but, um, but that's part of why I'm doing this podcast is I want people to know that, you know, there, there are others out there and, and we're, we're a community and, you know, we've been silent about it because it's been such a taboo topic and, and people e- even write it off as, as, Hey, mental illness isn't a real thing. You know, these people just need to get over it, but, but that's not the case. And that's, that's coming from people that don't understand that don't live with it on a daily basis. Right. Uh, Rick saw this video. I don't know who it was. I might ask him who it was, and then I'll send it to you. But I just wanted to throw a punch that chick in the face. Like, so hard. Because she was like, you're going to be fine. It's not real. And then she would go on about her supposed illness. And I say it that way because I feel like she misdiagnosed herself. And she tried to take Zoloft, and it didn't work. And she's like, it's all fake. And it's people like that that make, you know, people like us feel like we can't talk about our problems. Yeah, and no, I, I'm with so you. Mad. Yeah, that that kind of that kind of thing exists, and and like I said, it's it's a taboo subject in in society, and and I'm trying to change that myself, and why, and that's why I think you and and everyone else that's come on the show because. Um, it's not easy to share our story. It's not easy to say, hey, we're not okay, or, or we're not always okay. Um, so, again, thank you for that. Well, thank you. I mean, it's, 
it's been kind of hard to talk about it, but I feel pretty okay with it. <laughs> I don't usually talk about everything. Like well, it took forever for me to explain to my husband what the father of my child did. Um, I mean, he and I have been have been together for three years. We just got married in May, and what happened with Jada's dad was over ten years ago, or almost ten years ago. Well, my hope is is that somebody hears this that may be dealing with something similar, and and it helps them. And that's why I wanted to bring you on to talk about this stuff. Um, and and again, it's you know it's courageous because it's not it's not easy to talk about these things. And and you know again, thank you for sharing um, your story. Before we let you go here, um, I know you said you're you're kind of working on a on a crocheting business. Um, mm-hmm. What if anyone wanted to contact you to get something made um, or any other social media or, or resources or anything you'd like to promote, um, how would they go about doing that? Um, I have a Facebook page, I think. <laughs> I made it. I don't know if I've actually finished it. It's called Caddy Crafts. Um, it's named after my cat that passed away. Um, it's just a blank page right now, but... Um, I believe it's the same on Etsy, but I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I don't have pictures of stuff made right now, but I'm really good with, uh, kind of doing like commission stuff, sort of. Um, like I've had people ask me, Hey, can you do this? And I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. I just forget to take pictures before I give it to them. Um, well, I, I can speak for your work because I've seen it. I, I have not actually commissioned anything, but um, I, but I have seen it, and it is it is good stuff. I'll have to send you a picture of uh, the last thing that I finished. My friend had a baby in January, and she asked for a Peter Pan diaper cover set, and it was absolutely adorable. But I made it a little bit too big, and he couldn't fit into it until about four weeks ago. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's more like a six month size than a newborn. Send that to me and, and we'll we'll put it up on uh, our Facebook page and our Twitter page um, as well okay. to, to help you promote it. But, you know, um, well, thank you again uh, for for jumping on with us. Um, it has been fun uh, and, you know, fun in the sense that, uh, you know, you and I don't get to talk as much as we used to. So it's even sitting down in this format has been um, has been a pleasure for me. Oh, it's been fun. I mean, like, you know, just like what you say, we need to definitely get together and talk some more. Hey, that that sounds good. That sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. All right. Thank you for having me. That was Andy Lowby here on Wrestling With The Mind. Uh, Special thanks to her for sharing her story. Some very uh, personal, powerful, compelling stuff there. Uh, in that interview, hopefully, uh, you know, I always hesitate to say you enjoyed it, but, uh, you know, what I mean when I say hopefully you enjoyed it, I, I think I mean it's something you can relate to. It is a story that is worth telling um, hers as is yours and everyone else that deals with mental illness in, in some form or fashion. It is definitely worth uh, sharing those stories. So hopefully in that aspect you enjoyed it. That's going to do it for this episode. I know it was a little bit shorter than, than what we're used to, but, hey, that's okay. We're going to keep chugging along. Again, a reminder, 
Like us on social media at Wrestling with the Mind uh, on Facebook, Wrestle Mind Pod on uh, Twitter, Wrestling with the Mind at gmail.com if you want to reach out. We do need guests. So if you're listening, you're willing to share your story, reach out to us one of those ways, and we'll get you on the show here at a future date. Uh, that's pretty much all that we have today. I want to wish everyone a good week here as we drop on Mondays. We drop every Monday just for those that uh, are new. Every Monday you can find a new episode on uh, the Apple iTunes store or the or excuse me, the podcast app, as well as the Google Play store. Uh, that's going to do it for us. I'm Seth Burchett saying uh, thanks for listening, and hey, you may not be okay, and that's okay. Until next week, you've been listening to Wrestling with the Mind.